Welcome to Real Booked with Lindsay and B, where we reflect on the parallels between bestsellers and blockbusters for laughs and social disruption. I'm B Jordan of BlueCouchLibrary.com, and I read the book. And I'm Lindsay Howie of MyRelationshipWin.com, and I watched the movie. Yes, please. Thank you. Now I have to really focus <laughs> on my coffee so I don't burn myself. Sorry. It's okay. I mean, I like to get every drop that I can in there because I want every drop that I can possibly get. Just don't want to spill it on the crotch. <laughs> How gloomy it is. It's gloomy and it's windy and it looks like um, it's a blanket nest kind of day. I agree. My coziest sweater. And that helped. (laughs) And the coffee is hot and strong and black and that helps. Accurate. Coffee always helps. Mm. Me personally, but that's okay. (sighs) It was a big yawn. In case we're recording and this makes it on, the reason she was laughing at me is because that was a really big yawn. (laughs) (laughs) I forget to narrate a lot. Mm. Like, I, yeah. Nope, this is for the patron. Yeah, that's... Where I'm at. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Find us on Patreon. I love you. Me too. Hi, B. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for not spitting on me. (laughs) This time. This week I watched The Chronicles of Narnia that was distributed by Walt Disney Pictures in 2005. I see. I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, which was, I think, written in 1950. Or maybe it was 1954. The whole series was between 1950 and 1956. Right, but I think that they were written out of order, and I couldn't, I didn't, um... I didn't look into that. Which way he... Yeah. Okay. Because also there might be discrepancies based on when and when it was printed and who printed it because the my copy of The Magician's Nephew, which is book number one, did not come with a box set that I have the rest of them in. This is actually signed by C.S. Lewis. Oh my goodness. I know. I found this at my dad's house, so this is my childhood copy, whereas the rest of the set I bought... Yep. The box set without book number one at a garage sale or something. But this one says copyright 1955, and it is book one. So I don't know if it's like a prequel or what. Interesting. The Magician's Nephew is always my favorite. I've never read the series, so what happens in The Magician's Nephew versus The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Okay, you know the lamppost? 
Yeah. Okay. How did it get into the middle of this forest? Indeed. Okay, so the magician's <laughs> nephew finds his way into a place between the worlds. There are these, like, pools that you can go into and travel into a different world. Um, and so they, I think there's a little girl that comes with him. I can't recall. It's been a long time yeah. since I've reread this one. They find their way into um, Narnia as it's, it's the creation myth, as it's being born, uh, as it's being created. And okay. because the magic is so, um, the magic is running wild all over the place. No. There was a chunk of uh, lampposts that had got brought along with them and tossed and it planted and grew a lamppost because the magic was so potent. wild and potent. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So the creation of this magical place, um, the 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 faux, you know, the white witch mm-hmm. and all of all of the creation stuff was really fun for me. That makes sense. That sounds like it would actually be fun for me now. Um, have you ever watched uh, the show The Magicians? No. Okay. Then never mind. I won't go into that tangent. But it um, mirrors Narnia in some interesting ways, but it's adult content. And that so sounds really fun. Like, it could be fun really for fun. you, just to reference later, for sure. Also, this box set. There's yes. um, a unicorn with blood I, on with its With the horn. stabby, I yep. saw that. This has shaped my conceptualization of unicorns from yeah. a young age. Yeah, I that, think that one might be from like Prince Caspian. I can't remember when we met. Like I said, it's been a long time. I reread the series maybe five or seven years ago, whenever it was little. My son was little. I reread the whole series. Um, but it's still been right forever. years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The um I don't know, I haven't seen the new the most recent movie, so I was glad that we were only doing the um Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe instead of the whole series because at least this one I had seen before, so I had some idea of what I was getting into. Um, but I'm just curious, you know, it's one of the series that is most, I mean, it's very, very prominent as far as, you know, young children mm-hmm. are, you know, reading this all the time. Mm-hmm. What what sticks out for you? Um. There's a lot of a lot of good and a lot of things that I'm not super happy with. I love the language. I love the way the author invites you in and gives you places to connect even in this magical world. Um, I love it's a really great entry to fantasy for a child, um, like epic fantasy, high fantasy. It's a great like invitation. Come in. There's a whole world to explore. It's fun. Look. There are places for you to insert yourself and feel like you can be a part of this. I love that. Yeah. Um, he does that through through the the language and the plot. He gives you places for a kid to be involved. Um, and it's just gorgeous. The imagery is beautiful. And, and the, the ideas of these ancient magics stirring in this, this you know... Mm-hmm. This somewhere that you could possibly stumble on in the back of a cupboard somewhere. It's wonderful. Um, I don't really love that. Um, oh, let's talk about the the let's talk about the Christ allegory. 
because that's not actually a huge deal for me. Uh, even as an atheist, it's like, I love the Harry Potter series, and mm-hmm. that's also a Christ allegory. There's mm-hmm. the Savior that sacrifices himself. Um, and that happens in this book specifically. Aslan right. sacrifices himself at the stone table. Um, that's not as much of a deal breaker for me as it can be for some. I've I've seen a lot of like uh, heated debate about it in... Um, secular homeschooling family groups. Uh-huh. Some people will not touch it with a 10-foot pole because of the Christ allegory. Like, I don't know, man. That's... Resurrection, though, is a part of so many different cultures. And so this is one of the things where it's kind of interesting for me to see. And it's funny because yesterday was Easter, right? Yeah, so like funny. we have a whole entire day that is... <laughs> Like, right now, everyone is arguing about whether this day is meant to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus or if it's meant to celebrate the coming of spring or what the fuck ever. (laughs) (laughs) This is a false dichotomy. Don't get stuck into this. It's not either or. It's not either or. It's It's obviously both because so many people are mad about everything. Oh. Oh. So, yeah, I can see people not wanting to touch it with a 10-foot pole because, you know, this um, presumably all good, (laughs) um, completely selfless act of altruism is going to be what disrupts the entire uh, equilibrium of the the battle and and ultimately wins everything. Um, But that's repeated so often all over the place that uh-huh. this is just a myth like <laughs> right it's like it's not not there but the 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 bigger issues that i have with it the mm-hmm. problems that i wish we had more fantasy that didn't fall into these traps are the concepts of this um all-powerful authority figure um just the general hierarchical authoritarian ideas that are um, the foundational ideas of Narnia Um, these four children become the kings and queens of Narnia like that's that's what happens and then they rule there for years and years and years Um, and they're good kings and queens and great and Peter being the oldest is the high king because he's eldest in that matters and so those ideas that that are baked into the foundation are the problems for me much more than any religious connotation that makes a whole lot of sense because what you're talking about is much more destructive whereas Mm. the other is much more surface level in my opinion and it continues that squabbling within that false dichotomy, Mm -hmm. instead of actually looking at the root cause of what is actually happening and what that means in a greater context that affects way more people than just the four people that we've been, um, you know, focused on for the entire story. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) So, like, we meet all of these cute little animal characters. There's Mm -hmm. Mr. Tumnus, the fawn, and the beaver family, and... And all of the animals and all of... And it's it's cute and it's silly the way, like, the lion in the story really wants to be like Aslan. He's, he gets really excited because Aslan said, Us lions, did you hear me? Or did you hear him? And it, it's cute and it's funny, but it also continues to underscore that there's... 
there's a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. There's an above and a below. Mm-hmm. And he's below. <laughs> All of the talking animals are below the humans. The sons of Adams and the daughters of Eves? Yeah. <laughs> huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, like, again, it's not an either or. Oh, I like that. Coming back to that false dichotomy. It's not either it's a religious allegory and that's why it's there. Or it's the authoritarian hierarchical hierarchical stuff it's definitely both um like it's definitely written from a christian perspective obviously the boys are called sons of adam and the girls are called daughters of eve obviously and then there's the whole uh, you know god set people here on earth above all of the animals so of course there's that hierarchy like of course there's that Authority and Aslan, as the god character, is of course above them in the ladder, right? So, um, I wish that there were more fantasy stories that were that had less of that, um, less of that structure and more, I don't know, mobility. The characters had more freedom to move, that would be nice. I mean growth actually happens inside mm-hmm. so when we can see that happen it <laughs> do we need to gives talk about more depth to the the outside stuff that we're told to applaud <laughs> do we need to talk about where the mountain meets the moon again i don't know what we need to talk about because what you just <laughs> said with the the whole um the micro mirrors mirrors the macro right like that's what came up for mm-hmm. me when you're talking about this being um the layers. Yeah. So it's like if this is just one um, lens where we can see this story arc, it's all over the place. Yeah. It's everywhere we look. This whole um, this whole myth and this whole false dichotomy are perpetuated in all of the different areas. Mm-hmm. So when it's this kind of pervasive within children's literature, what it does for me is makes me look at all of the other dots that connect to that and how that story is then reinforced in all of the different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm thinking about it exactly the same way you are because I keep thinking about fantasy series specifically because I love fantasy. God, dragons and knights, are you kidding me? Um, and I did go through a, a, a phase when I reread this series, like I said, five to seven years ago, mm-hmm. when I reread the entire Harry Potter series yes. and the entire Lord of the Rings series, um, Hunger, not, Games, and the Hunger Games and, um, oh, The Once and Future King, sorry, The Once and Future King by T.H. White, all of my favorites, um, and they all have that that uh right the tropes that we know we know about the chosen one and we know about sacrificial saviors and we know about authority figures and benevolence and (laughs) altruism Uh uh-huh and and you know a king or a queen being a representation of good or that power being uh used for good or evil yes um like we know about these things in fantasy and I love fantasy, but it's got, I want, I want more from it. Well, and that's what, okay, so obviously where the mountain meets the moon comes up when we're speaking because it 
is a lovely novel for children that doesn't play into that type of... (laughs) Minley grows and achieves things without achieving power over others and she grows inside before her outside changes at all and it's really beautiful. So what came up for me was Emily Bell's Fire Seeker. Yes, I was <laughs> just going to bring her up actually. <laughs> and I mean even the Chicot trilogy, it's a totally different totally different thing, but where the mountain meets the moon and Spire Seeker have a lot of similar. Oh, they really super do, don't they? Yeah. So I was just oh. kind of connecting those two things, and I thought that that would be a potentially interesting. Yes, this beautiful book right this here. This beautiful book right here, <laughs> Spire Seeker, by Emily Bell, by E. D. E. Bell. Uh, we met her a couple of times. A couple of times. She's great. She's beautiful. Uh, and like she writes beautifully. And that's what I meant. The con- <laughs> it's not okay. that she's not beautiful. She is actually she's beautiful. Both. I just tend not to compliment people based on their looks. So when I say that she's beautiful, I mean her writing is gorgeous. And I think I love her a little bit. A lot bit. But that's okay. <laughs> but this, this book and um, Grace Lee's uh, Where the Mountain Meets the Moon have the same type of quality where their protagonist has to go through a lot of mental challenges um, and they're kind of aware of that the whole entire time and you get to see that that component in ways that helps you understand the decisions that they make Mm -hmm. and then you have a much deeper um, understanding of kind of where the story goes and why. You know, I feel like a lot of fantasy series, I have all of, like, not all of, but most of Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series here behind us, um, and obviously The Lord of the Rings is over there, and I've read it a million times, um, sometimes you don't really get inside the characters' heads in a way that's satisfactory to me. You don't see them grow enough to really have that emotional connection. Um, because there's a lot of external stuff. Yes. Um, that's something that a lot of fantasy series, especially the ones that are more like, uh, they're trying to write the next Lord of the Rings and they're writing the same style, but without the same passion. And it it gets a little like, yes, okay, there's dragons. (laughs) Um, so that's something that I want more from fantasy series that Emily Bell and is it Grace Lynn or is it Grace Lee who wrote Where the Mountain Meet the Moon? Uh oh, now I need to check. It's right there. Hold <laughs> on, <Pardon>, what? <laughs> oh, that's not it. Where is it? Uh, alphabetical <laughs> by author. Well, that doesn't help in this To the case. right, the right section. Nope, the next section over. There Where's you go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take directions. <laughs> Lynn, it's Grace okay. Lynn. I was, it's Grace Lynn. We've got a whole stack of books here now of recommendations and or other things. You know, I would not recommend uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. It's just, 
I don't think that I would just hand it to my kid and like it just ingest this. This is good and right and pure and true. I think we would have to have a conversation about authority. Please don't do that with anything. Oh yes. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's you know. Yes. That's how we get Nazis. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Shades of gray all over the place. Shades of gray, including this book series, which I love. It's still got problems. I mean, yeah. That makes sense. Everything is problematic in some way or another. But I was reading it and Everett kept peeking at me. He's like looking at the cover. Because Mr. Tumnus, the fawn, is on the cover. So he's like definitely there's illustrations throughout. And he's peeking over my shoulder like, what's she reading? Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to go there soon. And he's going to love it. And we're going to have to talk about this sort of thing. And I look forward to it. He's an intelligent kid. Like, he, I am excited about the conversations we can have about You've been setting yourself up for a really long time to be excited about those conversations. Yeah. Like, to be completely fair, like, you guys have been having these conversations oh, yeah. since... Every, every time it comes forever. up. Forever. So, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense that you're excited and that he is and that it's going to be a way for you guys to kind of co-create a conversation around things like... What does it mean to be, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of person that stands up for other people? Mm-hmm. How do we do that without placing ourselves above others? Like, what does it mean to be a good person? That's definitely a conversation <laughs> that we've already started to have. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's that's important for me to teach him. I mean... We're white. I'm raising a white boy. It's, it's that's uh huh. That's a conversation that's really really important for for everybody. Everyone. But, God, I gotta say, not especially, but definitely white parents definitely have this. I'll say especially. The more kids. fucking centered you are, the more important it is for you to do the work to deconstruct whatever bullshit is in your head that makes you feel centered. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. So, <laughs> Not sorry, guys. So it's a line that it's super important for me to learn how to walk is teaching my kid how to not feel like he's the center of the universe while reassuring him that he is the center of my universe. Yep. But it's not... It, he gets it. <laughs> like, give your kids credit. They'll get it. It's fucking simple. It really is. You just have to be honest. And that's the part where most parents trip up because there is the authoritarian imprint in your brain that tells you that you are above this little tiny person. Right. Like, you had to do a lot to deconstruct to get to the place where you give him space that you were not given as a child. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. And I, like, that's probably another reason why it might come simpler to me uh, because I did have to deconstruct all of the authoritarian hierarchical um, concepts in my brain because I was raised in a a super far right environment Uh um, that now I can see it very clearly and when I can avoid it and have a more peer-to-peer conversation with my kid in which he is able to express and learn and ask questions in ways that I couldn't. I just fucking revel in it. Because he's awesome. (laughs) 
He's a really cool kid. I like him a lot. I'm excited about the conversations that we're going to have uh, around the Chronicles of Narnia and authority. Um, Percy Jackson was fun. Um, yeah. Rick Riordan's Percy Jackson series was a fun one to talk about with him, too. That makes sense. Yeah. Based on Greek mythology. I was going to say well, The one person who <laughs> lives under a rock and doesn't know anything about Percy Jackson, it's a good series. Rick Riordan has a couple of good series, but he, that's a totally different also, tangent. <laughs> well, let's go there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he has... He does... Um, there's an imprint of, I can't remember which publisher, but it's Rick Riordan Presents. So he is using his centered white male voice to reach out and bring into the spotlight authors of, uh, authors of color, authors of indigenous, um, heritage, heritage or whatever. <laughs> uh, so writing myth stories from the perspective of the culture that the myth is from. Yes. By supporting the person doing it or by doing it? No, by supporting the person doing it. That is absolutely and, amazing. And bringing to attention to the rest of the world, hey, look at this person over here doing this awesome thing. That is definitely what we need people with platforms to be doing, right? especially centered white people. <clears throat> Rowling. God, I'm so upset with her. Wow, we're naming names today, We guys. are naming names. Whew, okay. Well, Sorry, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and there's not enough coffee and I'm really angry at J.K. Rowling. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that might be slight, you know... I know. Lateral hate, but... <laughs> oh, no. It's fine. I drank all the I need it. It's okay. <laughs> I can make more. <laughs> this is absolutely fabulous. I know. I wasn't sure where this conversation was going to go. Same. Everywhere, is it? Turns yeah. Out. That's good. We need days like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... To recap, for grown-up books, we've got Spire Seeker by E.B.E. E. Bell. Uh, actually, just everything Emily Bell has written. Go ahead and read that. For children's books, we've got Where the Mountain Meets the Moon by Grace Lynn. What else? Uh, this is The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah. That's, like, the main talking point that we were supposed to have, but I really like where we went with it. <laughs> and look up the Rick Riordan Presents books, because they're good. Oh. We've got a graphic novel um, based on Egyptian mythology up on the shelf that we haven't read yet, but I'm excited about that. I want to go to Comic-Con so badly. <sighs> Comic-Con is canceled because everything is canceled, and that's where we usually see Emily Bell and... Now I'm sad because we don't get to like see all of the panels or talk to any of the people that we usually talk to. I mean, we can follow them on Twitter, but I that's not the same for it's me. Not I'm the sorry. Same. <sighs> it's not the same. No. No, it's not. Uh -huh. That's okay. <sighs> we should order the rest of Emily's Diamond Song. Books. We really should. Yeah. <gasps> oh, man. I forgot that I wanted that so very badly until you said that. I'm sorry. And you're welcome. It wasn't long enough. 
It, well, I mean, ten it's, of them. It's, it's long enough in total. I yeah. just The part that I have access to right now was not long enough. I mean, it left you wanting more, which is... The point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Good. Oh, I don't know where I'm going from here. Uh, kings and queens are not benevolent creatures. Mm. Uh, Christianity is mind control. Mm. And we really like coffee. <laughs> I think I summed it up. I think you did, too. Okay, so... <laughs> I would like a conversation in our Facebook group about fantasy series that you like or love or have issues with give me your problematic faves give me books that you think are amazing or the books that your kids think are amazing i want to talk about fantasy books on facebook with you beautiful we'll see you there bye thanks for listening you can join the conversation in our facebook group the page facebook.com forward slash real will direct you there if you want to support us and get more content, find us on Patreon. And you can always email us directly at realbooked at gmail.com. All music in this episode provided by purple-planet.com. Hope, Hope we, we hear, hear from, from you, you soon. soon. <laughs>